Thank you for downloading this sermon from Christ the Word Church. If you would like more information on how Christ the Word is reaching, raising, and teaching generations in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, please visit us online at ChristTheWord.com. Good morning. What a great thing to be in the house of the Lord, and what a great day, especially for these times. Um, Palm Sunday is a really amazing um, holiday in the life of the church and has been recognized so since the early church. One of the things that we don't talk about very much that used to be spoken of when I was young is a characteristic of God called the transcendence of God. This is God is near, the idea that God is not far away, but God is near. And in this triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, after having spent three years pretty much telling everyone when he did a miracle, shh, don't tell anyone, now the wraps come off and the announcement is made and the king is coming to his temple. So this is the transcendent moment. Now Jesus was there, God was there, we don't deny that, but this is our recognition of God's transcendence. So it is my, as we pray, it is my prayer as we go over some of these very familiar verses and concepts um, that you will rejoice and wor worship that God is near. You know, Paul said, be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and um, supplication, make your requests known to God. God is near. And so this transcendence is an important Christian truth and we praise God for it. So pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you for Jesus, that he is king. Now, Lord, I pray that with your spirit, you would open our hearts and our meditations and that you would be with my lips that we would honor together you and your son who is our king. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand for the reading of God's word from Luke chapter 19. I hope many of you will open your Bibles and follow along. Uh, I think that's a good discipline that we should have. Luke 19, verses 28 through 48. After Jesus said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethphage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. There as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, 
Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave you in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, saying to them, it is written, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leading men among the people were trying to destroy him. And yet they could not find anything that they might do for all the people were hanging on to every word he said. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Did you see that shout? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's transcendence. They're, they're blessing God for his transcendence. So I want to give you some background. This event not only was an amazing event, waited for since Adam and Eve were expelled. This is God coming and announcing openly, and it's based on prophecy. The number of prophecies that were fulfilled in this act are numerous, and they will help us to understand the significance of the text. So I have a couple of prophecies. The first one's a little long. Uh, and then as we go through the text, I want to point out uh, the significant components so that we can really understand that this was more than just a parade. This was something very momentous in the history of mankind. And so Daniel, the prophet Daniel, all the major prophets, minor prophets spoke of this, but the prophet Daniel has an amazing um, prophecy. In the second chapter of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar, who was actually a wicked king, called his soothsayers, priests, and congeners, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans, to tell the king his dreams. Now notice it doesn't say to tell the king what his dreams meant. He wants that too, but to tell him his dreams. The Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we'll declare its interpretation. The king replied, the command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and a great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. Sort of sounds like cancel culture, doesn't it? setting hurdle after hurdle after unreasonable hurdle against godly people. 
This was a time of the rule of wickedness, just like our day. The Chaldeans answered, there's no person on earth who could declare the matter to the king because no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any soothsayer, priest, sorcerer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there's no one else who could declare it to the king except gods, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. <laughs> but it is. Because of this, the king became very angry and extremely furious, and he gave orders to kill all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel, listen, young men, listen. God wants you to be great. Listen. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment. Discretion and discernment. If you can keep your head while those about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, this is godliness. Pause. Cap your anger. Your anger does not allow the sovereignty of God to control, and He is in control. So have discretion and discernment, and Daniel did. He said to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon, he said, what reason is there for the decree for the king being so, so harsh? Why is the king being so harsh? Right? He knows he's mad, but why? It's a good question. Then Arioch informed Daniel this matter, so Daniel went in and requested the king that he would give him a grace period so that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, about the matter, so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his friends would not be killed with the rest of the wise. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel. Do you know that God has secrets? Do you know that? Jesus said at various times, it's for you, it's given, it's not given for them to know. But there are secret things that belong to God but the things revealed belong to us. God has lots of secrets. Do you desire to know God's secrets? So then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. His response to learning the secret was not to run to the king, but to praise God. May the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes times and the periods. He removes kings and wicked presidents and appoints kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to people of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows 
what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you give me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you. You have made known to us the king's matter. Thereupon Daniel went to, Antioch, went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to kill the wise men. He went and said this to him, don't kill the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king's presence, I'll declare the interpretation. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel to the king's presence, spoke to him, I found a man among the exiles of Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, that's the, the pagan name that they gave Daniel, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Then Daniel answered, as for the secret about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, sorcerers, soothsayers, priests, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will take place in latter days. It's a secret. And here's the revelation. And the, in the days of those ki kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put to an end all these kingdoms, but it itself will endure. Just as you saw that a stone was broken off from the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is certain and its interpretation is trustworthy. Palm Sunday. Jesus Christ began his ministry preaching the kingdom of God was at hand. He told his disciples that some of them would not die before they saw the kingdom of God come with power. And Jesus was saying to them in Mark's gospel, chapter 9, truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God when it has come with power. Praise the Lord. So, Malachi, the last prophet before the uh, silence of the prophets in the Old Testament, chapter 3, there's four chapters, so it's near the end of the book. <clears throat> this is what Malachi, in the Spirit of God, said. Behold, I'm sending my messenger, and he will clear a way before me, and the Lord whom you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. It's about to happen in our passage. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may pre present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. Now Jesus had been to Jerusalem before. He'd actually been to the temple before. 
But this time was different. This was it. Now, what's the timing? What is the timing in our passage? It starts, and he said, after these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. After these things. What things? Well, if we look at the context just above our passage, we see Jesus telling them a parable. Starting at verse 11 in Luke 19, because they thought the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God would appear immediately, therefore he said, okay? So after these things, because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately, after these things, our passage starts. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, and said to them, do business till I come. And then later in the passage, and it was so that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And you remember one had gained 10 and one had gained five and one had hidden it. And he judged the one that had hidden it. So after carefully correcting the disciples as to the true nature of God's kingdom and his mission, Jesus went to Jerusalem. Okay, this is very important. But it's also not the only thing that tells us when this occurred. More on that later. So when he approached Bethphage and Bethany, near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you. There as you enter, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say thus, the Lord has need of it. Now, many years ago, 52 years ago, I was in um, Bethany. I was in Israel and I was in Bethany. And at that time, it wasn't like our recent trip. Um, it was, there was peace in the land between the Arabs and the Jews. That, that were there. And I walked from Bethany, from Lazarus' tomb, over the Mount of Olives, and down. Now, it's very interesting. You probably miss the going up and going down when we read quickly through this. I think many people think it's just like a straight path going into Jerusalem and that there's all these crowds on it. But as we'll see, they come up over the hill, and then looking down, they can see Jerusalem. Well, I walked that path, and the way the mountain is, the way the Mount of Olives, there's, there's a ridge, and there's another path that is the valley in that ridge, and then this path that's in sort of a crevice, and that's where this colt was tied. <laughs> I wanted Debbie to walk that path with me and stand at that juncture, but we couldn't do it. 
I stood there and I said, well, this is where the king comes. And if anyone asks you, why are you untiny? Then you say, the Lord has need of it. What? Wait, 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 wait. Any, any reformed young men here? Raise your hand. In. I'm not going to call him. Good, Doug. Thank you. Yeah, AJ, good. Let's see you. We have some work to do. There's a whole bunch of guys here that need some theology. Okay. I, explain this sentence to me. The Lord has need. Huh? What? Huh? What? The Lord has need? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's interesting. I didn't think the Lord had any needs, but he does. Well, they, they walked from Galilee. Now, those on the trip, we took a, an air-conditioned bus. You know, it wasn't really that close. They'd been walking for a very long time, and they not necessarily direct because they went to Perea and whatever, and then they had to climb up the hill. And now, with three kilometers left, about two miles, suddenly he's too tired? No. That's not what he has need of. What does he have need of? He has need of fulfilling the Father's will. He has come to do the will of his Father and his father explained his will. His father explained his will in the prophecies. So, Leon Morris, a, a commentator, has made this observation. The ass, that is a donkey, was the mount of a man of peace, a merchant, or a priest. A king might re ride on an ass on occasion, but he would be more likely to appear on a mighty war horse. Zechariah's prophecy that we read part of today, and I'm going to read again, remember all the prophecies, <clears throat> saw Messiah as a prince of peace. And this is what Zechariah 9 and 10 that we heard earlier. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I will eliminate the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be eliminated, and he will speak peace to the nations, and his dominion will be from sea to sea, and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth, right? So God's will was that he come humble, mounted on a donkey. Jesus knew where they'd find a donkey. He knew what the man was going to ask. He knew that the man was going to let the disciples have it once he said that. Lord, 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 right? has need. You know, you and I have need to obey God also. Our will should be to do the will of he who has saved us. You excited? 
So I think this is one of the most familiar, least understood passages in the Gospels. So those who were sent away and found it just as he told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? Verbatim, they said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. You know, let's see. Craig, Nick, Nathan. Jonathan, there's not many of us men here who would have a coat to spread on the road. What, what was that? I know, they were showing how humble they were by not being arrogant by wearing a coat. You know, it's arrogant to look good. You know, you wouldn't dress up for anyone, would you? Well, maybe for yourself in a wedding. See, our culture has devalued respect. We just, we just don't do it. And we say, well, it's just me, you know. Well, if you can't take me like I am, me, 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 me. How about you, 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 you? See, we used to stand when a lady came into the room. We used to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. This is showing respect, right? How do you honor your father and mother? <clears throat> well, they know I love them. Respect includes speech, and apparently it includes clothing. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, this is a, basically a Victorian, you know, Western Anglo-Saxon sort of getup. I'm not promoting this get-up over other get-ups, right? When I was in Asia doing public health village to village, no one wore a coat and tie, but everyone showed respect. They all showed respect. And I won't bore you with many ways they did that, but I just ask you, if Jesus were coming in as king, would we have any tools to show respect? Or would we rather say, well, you know, Jesus will accept me as I am? I encourage you, especially you young married men, respect your wives. Honor them. Find a way to honor them. And we want to honor the Lord. Now we honor the Lord through our obedience, through our prayer, through our praise. Those are all very important. I'm, this is a hobby horse of mine. It just hurts me because when we stop honoring each other, our ability to honor the Lord diminishes. And when we have less respect for the Lord, sin is crouching at the door, right? So these are very helpful things. We're not better because we wear a coat. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we're better if we show respect and find a way that communicates that respect you know, when I was in Asia, I couldn't, I couldn't use Western civilization means of showing respect. They didn't get it, right? So I had to learn, well, what, 
What do they think is respect? And if some of you young people can tell me what your generation, how they show respect, I'm all ears. I'd like to learn it and start using it. So as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, huh? See, there, there it is. He was going up. Now, the, that, that intersection is before the crest. So he's on the donkey, and that intersection is maybe a kilometer from Bethany. And so then it's maybe a half a kilometer to the, to the crest, and then the rest of it uh, is down to Jerusalem. So it says, as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen, shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It's very interesting. Why did they short shout joyfully? Nathan prayed and talked about how there were a lot of um, reprobate people in this crowd. And we know that because they're going to yell crucify him very soon. Uh, but there were also disciples. And, but it said they were shouting joyfully, not because they were theological students and they understood the prophecies and they knew this was the moment, rather because of the miracles he'd done. Well, what are they talking about? Well, they'd just come from raising Lazarus. And the word that he raised the dead had spread like wildfire, right? And so, and Jesus, who wanted to keep his identity a secret up until now, allowed it. He allowed Lazarus to die, and he raised him knowing that they were on the path that pilgrims would take, some coming from a certain direction, would come through Bethany, and that the word was going to spread, and it did. And that's why they were waving palm branches was because of a resurrection, right? Raising the dead. The palm branches, the coats, raising the dead, Lord of life and death. Now, it's very interesting, if I can just pause for a minute. There are three accounts of this, Matthew, John, and Luke. Mark uh, leaves it out. And... Um, you know, Luke recorded the sermons of Peter in Rome. And so Mark, I'm sorry, Mark recorded the sermons of Peter in Rome. Luke was a Greek, a physician, and probably was not an eyewitness. He's getting this from other people. But if we go to another version in John, who undoubtedly was pretty close to that donkey um, who saw it, John says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, indeed the King of Israel. Well, Hosanna is a Greek word that has two roots. One is yasha, which means to save or deliver, and anna, which means please. So Hosanna means please save. Please save. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, so Palm Sunday is about a resurrection. It's about the Lord of life and death. It's about salvation. All of you here, young people, please save 
in your heart, Hosanna, please save me. Hosanna. Please, I beg you, if you have not done this, pray, Hosanna, believing in your heart that Jesus is the Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So um, this whole scene so far is a contrast to a similar coming of the Lord recorded for us in Revelation. And John writes, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many crowns and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dripped in blood, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down nations. Remember Daniel's prophecy? That he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, I beg you, come to Jesus. Pray Hosanna before this day. So some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, white privilege! Shut up! Oh, no, they didn't say that. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Hmm? Sound like today? Are you rebuked? Are you intimidated? Who are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the Pharisees? Are you afraid of the King of Kings? Jesus said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Why? Because this wasn't just a random, hey, let's go to Jerusalem. This was the Passover feast, a week away, and here comes Jesus. And this is the coming. This is the revealing, the unveiling. The king coming to his temple, will he find faith? the first thing he does is go to the temple. In John, the Pharisees were added. John says the Pharisees added, speaking to each other, you see that we are, you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So then he arrives in Jerusalem and he saw the city and wept over it. Remember, he's coming down. We walked, our group walked down that path or a path down the Mount of Olives. And he saw it and he wept and he said, if you had known this day, even you the things which make for peace, 
but now they've been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Notice that they recognized that he raised Lazarus from the dead. They were singing hosannas. Now, later, they're crucifying Right? But they, God expected them to know the time of their visitation. This day, this very day, I'm not talking about 2021, I'm talking about when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, was the day. It was the day. And they didn't know it. They were asleep. Pharisees were pretty good Bible scholars. They didn't know it. Well, what is this day? It's interesting, there's a Psalm 118 that we've turned into a song, and I like it because I apply it to this, but in context, it's really about another thing. It says, this is the day which the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, if you read Psalm 118, it's the day of the Lord. It's the day of His wrath. It's not the day of his coming in peace. But we can say, we can apply this to both. Well, I'm happy to sing the song and, and apply that, but it's good for us to know the time of his visitation. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing that God prophesied the exact 24-hour period when this would happen? And that Jesus expected them to know because God had taken the trouble of telling them. And he told them through the prophet Daniel, in chapter 9, because Daniel actually asked the question, when, right? And he was told, from the going forth of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. After 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off. So it not only predicts the time, the very day, but it predicts the crucifixion. Well, I won't, the word Shabuah is the weeks word there, and it normally applies to years, because there was a sabbatical year. Every seventh year, the land was to remain fallow. That means not, not planted. And so they, they counted, on their calendar, they were counting sabbatical years. And so it also applies to the week and the Sabbath at the end of the, the week. But here Daniel is referring to this. And so uh, a British uh, scholar, Sir Roger, Robert Anderson, has taken this. The Jewish calendar was 360 days instead of 365. And they had some tricks about leap years. They added a month instead of a day every four. That, that's, it's very complicated. But anyway, he figured out that what the date of the decree was, which was in 444 B.C., add 483 years, include the months and the days, and boom, it was 483 years to the day. Wow. Everything God has promised we can be certain of.
absolutely certain. Well, my time is past being up. I want to just close with some applications and some encouragement. Number one, God is faithful, fulfilling every prophecy. Trust Him. I know especially today many of us have fears. What's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with politics? What freedoms are we going to lose? Think of Daniel and that great prophecy in chapter 2 will crush and put to an end, but his kingdom will endure forever, and his kingdom is established. As you read through the Bible, and you read these prophets, every one of them, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it's all going to It's all there. Number two, Jesus is coming again. Prepare. They weren't prepared. Prepare. Number three, how is this big deal, this big day, Easter's a big day, this is a huge day that we celebrate. How is this reflected in your obedience and your service? Which part of that crowd are you? Are you with the disciples part? Or are you with the crowd that are singing the songs but later are betraying? I hope you'll be encouraged. Again in Daniel, and I leave you with this, Daniel 7, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men's of, of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your prophecies. Even more, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the kingdom. Thank you that he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and we don't make him so. Hosanna, please save us. Please save our children and our grandchildren, we pray in Jesus' name, that he would be glorified. Amen.